Hello, this is Ruel Barksdale, and I'd like to welcome you to a new podcast. This is Walking Through the Book of Genesis, where each week I'll put on a new lesson, a, a new theme, a, a new chapter, a new verse to walk through this year the entirety of the book of Genesis. I'm excited. So join me as we take this walk through each chapter, each verse of this phenomenal book. Now, the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. And so we're going to look at the beginning of the creation. We'll look at the beginning of humankind. We'll look at the beginning of relationships between God and humankind. We'll look at the beginning of relationships between God, humankind, and Satan. We'll look at the beginnings of God's plan to redeem us back to a rightful relationship with him. Now, to, what I'd like to do, and I'll probably do this several weeks, is I'd like to look at some vocabulary and some background information before we get started. So before I do that, get a pencil, get some paper, look up your Bible, whether it's on your phone or your iPad, or you might even have a real hard copy, and then we'll get started. Okay, while you're doing that, let me go through some vocabulary. The first thing I want to do is look at some terms. And the first term is anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphism. A-N-T-H-R-O-P-O-M-O-R-P-H-I-S-M. Anthropomorphism. That is the attribution of human characteristics or behavior to a god animal or object. And so when we say God breathed into man the breath of life, God is a spirit. And so we're not saying that he actually breathed. That's an anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphisms are used so that we can understand a, a, a theme or, or a topic or a principle. Anthropomorphism. When we say God took something into his hands, that's an anthropomorphism. The next word I want to look at is the word chaos. Chaos is defined as complete disorder and confusion. It is a total lack of organization. Chaos. The next word, Christocentric. Christocentric means having Christ as its center. Now, many people will say, well, I can see Christ in the, the New Testament, especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the the, the Gospels, but we'll see that Christ is in the Old Testament. We'll see that there, every book of the Bible has Christ as the glue that, in, that, that puts the whole Bible into a, a single theme. The next word I want to look at is the word light. Light is a natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. Okay, now hopefully you've gotten the Bible out. Now, before we look in the book itself, let's, let's take a broader uh, view of the Bible. The Bible was written by men of God as they were moved by the spirit of prophecy. And so we must understand when we're looking at the Bible, there's several questions we must ask ourselves. Who wrote that particular book? When did they write it? What was the purpose of the book? 
And who were they writing it to? Were they writing it in Hebrew? Were they writing it in Greek? Those are some questions that you can ask whenever you're studying any book of the Bible. Now, when we come to the book of Genesis, Genesis is usually referred to as the first book of the Bible, although many theologians will tell you that the book of Job was written first. But the book of Genesis is also part of the Pentateuch or the Torah. The Pentateuch or the Torah are also referred to, is also referred to as the book of law. So that, that is comprised of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And those five books are credited to Moses as being the author. Now, we must suggest that Moses did not have a front row seat when the creation was occurring. He did not have a front row seat as, as man and woman were being created, as the Garden of Eden was being prepared. He was not there. And so we get back to the, the theme of the reality that the Bible was written by men that were moved by the spirit of prophecy. In order to understand the Bible, in order to get anything out of the Bible, it takes an amount of faith. Now, in the 21st century, as probably in other centuries, we believe, most of us believe that seeing is believing. If I can see it, then I'll believe it. But when we look at the Bible, we have to come to the Bible and we have to flip that. Instead of seeing is believing, we have to come to the Bible with the idea that believing is seeing. And in fact, if we can't believe it, we'll never see it. All right, and, and we'll run into that reality with the first four words of the, the book of Genesis. So let's get to it. The book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Old Testament, Old covenant, old contract, a contract between God, a covenant between God and his chosen people, the nation of Israel, the tribe of Israel. The New Testament, new covenant, new contract, contract between God and his people, this chosen people of the new covenant, the church. And we'll see that the promises of, well, we won't see that until we get to the New Testament, but you'll please understand that many of the promises, many of the realities of the Old Testament, if you are a believer, you can say, me too. Or you promised them that, me too. Or you told them if they did this, they get that, me too. All right, so let's get to, the, let's get to this. Genesis, the first chapter, the first verse. In the beginning, God created. All right, let's, let's stop. Let, we, we can stop after in the beginning, God. That is a statement without verification, without justification, without explanation, without defense. We come to this verse with an understanding that that's factual. If, in, if we cannot come to that understanding, then we can close the Bible because everything after 
those first four words is based on that reality. In the beginning, God. Now, there is another verse in the Bible that uses those first three words in the beginning. So let's go to St. John, the first chapter, the first verse. St. John, the first chapter, the first verse. I'll give you a few moments to find that. Uh, John is a um, is a book of that is called one of the Gospels. The Gospels simply meaning good news of Christ. The first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are referred to as the Synoptic Gospels. Synoptic meaning similar. Uh, John has things in the book of John that you will not find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's only found in the book of John. John deals with relationship. But we also see that in the first chapter, first verse of John, we see in the beginning. But there's there's a different following. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and, and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So that tells us that in the beginning of creation, the word was with God. That will become clearer to us in a little bit. The word was with God. Uh, if we would read a little bit further into the book of St. John, we would see, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's referring to Jesus Christ. And so in the beginning was God and the word was with God. Now, when we look at the book of Genesis, we're looking at the beginning of creation. We're, look, we're not looking at the beginning of eternity. We're not looking at the beginning of, of God himself. We're looking at the beginning of creation. And so we see here in the beginning, God, God what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And before, so before Genesis 1-1, there was no earth. There was no heaven. Um, there was no distinction between heavens and earth, certainly. How do we know that? Because the second verse says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. In other words, we had chaos. We had disorder. We had confusion. And empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the earth and the waters were some mass form of chaos. And the spirit of God was fluttering over this mess, this chaotic compilation of nothingness. And God said, let there be light. In the Hebrew translation, it says, God said, God was. God said, there was light. Uh, it, it's important to understand several things here. That in the midst of chaos, out of nothing, God creates. 
Nothing, no order, no structure, no strategy, no vision, chaos. And God flutters over this chaos and creates. Why is that important to understand? Because sometimes in our individual lives, there's chaos. And and it seems like nothing's going right. It seems like things have merged that shouldn't have merged. And and we've got family problems going into our our job problems. And we've got job problems that that are affecting our family problems. And and the children aren't acting right. And the finances aren't right. and, And our health isn't what we want. Chaos. And yet God can create in the midst of chaos, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of formlessness, God creates. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. It is amazing to me that when we look at the creation of the world, the first thing that God speaks into existence is light. The first thing God does to disrupt the chaos is to bring light. The first thing God does to start a process of forming a separation between heavens and earth, between day and night, is to let there be light. Now, remember, we said the definition of light uh, was the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. Sometimes I believe we we struggle in our own lives because of a lack of light. And and sometimes the chaos that we face is because of a lack of illumination of what we're dealing with. I think that it's easy for us to come to the conclusion that God is against chaos. There is a New Testament scripture that says God is not the author of confusion. And so where there is confusion, where there is chaos, let there be light. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, light be, light was. That's the Hebrew version. God saw that the light was good. And he immediately said, all right. I'm going to separate the light from the darkness. They shouldn't be combined. They shouldn't walk together. They shouldn't communicate with each other. They shouldn't commune with each other. I'm I'm going to I'm going to put the darkness over here and, and I'll put the light over there. He separates the darkness from the light. And God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. 
The first thing God does as he hovers over the deep, as he hovers over confusion, as he hovers over chaos, he brings light. God said, light be, light was. And God said, that's good. It's good to have light in our lives. It's good to have light in our relationships. It's good to have light in our in our strategies, in our organizations. It's good to be able to see what we're dealing with. It's good for illumination to take place. The first thing he does to battle chaos, to battle formlessness, to battle confusion is to create light. And then he takes that light and he separates the light from the darkness. He doesn't dispel the darkness. Doesn't get rid of the darkness. We don't have 24 hours of day. We still have darkness. But there's a separation between darkness and light. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, and then there was the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good, and there was evening and morning the third day. Now, I, I need you to understand something. We have light, we have a separation of day and night, we have a separation of, of water above and water below, we now have land and we have seas and we have sky, we have vegetation. Do you see what's happening here? There's no man created yet, there's no woman created yet. God is going to place them in a, in a situation where everything they need is already present, already prepared, already created. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. Everything that you will ever need to do what God wants you to do with your life will be created. Or you will have the wherewithal to create inside of you everything that he wants you to do, everything that he wants you to be. God doesn't just throw us into a situation and say sink or swim. As a matter of fact, some would, some would suggest that the very dreams and, and possibilities that you have in your heart were placed there by God. And as you begin to walk in the direction of your dreams and, and your hopes, that, that the, the things that you will need to do what God has prepared for you to do are already there. The earth and the fullness thereof was prepared for mankind before mankind was breathed into existence. He didn't have to plant trees. 
He didn't have to create create animals. He didn't have to figure out how to separate day from, from night, the, the earth from the sea, the sky from the land. If you're walking in a direction and there's continual chaos and there's no preparation for the for the place that you're going, for the direction that you're going in, maybe, maybe, maybe that's not the direction for you. We don't get to the creation of man until the sixth day. And by day six, everything has been prepared for mankind to inhabit the place that God has created for them to inhabit. Okay, I'm going to go through one more day. Uh, so far, we have the, the declaration that there will be light. We have the difference from day and night. We have the difference between um, waters above the earth, waters beneath the earth. Um, we have dry land. We have seas. Um, then we have vegetation. Uh, the land produced vege vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds. Trees bearing fruits with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that that was good. So now we have three days. Let's go to day four. And then we'll pick this up next week after day four. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. The other thing I, I want you to understand here is that when God speaks a thing, there, there's no hesitation. There, there's no um, phraseology between when he speaks something and when it comes into existence. Why is that important? When God speaks something into your life, it is an immediate reality. Now, now, because God is not encumbered by, hampered by time, God is not looking at a calendar when he speaks something into existence. But when God speaks over your life, when he tells you what he wants you to be, where he wants you to go, what he wants you to do, he's already prepared a way for you to be, to do, to go. And it is a reality when he speaks it, even though you have not yet walked into it in the context of time. That's important to understand. When God speaks a thing, it happens immediately. And we may still be walking in the context of time to get there, but it happens immediately. So let's finish the, the day four. Um, God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light to the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. Everything God did so far, anthropomorphism, God said, that's good. He looked at his day. He looked at his light. He looked at the separation from day and night. He looked at the separation from the waters above the earth and the waters beneath the earth. He looked at the land. He looked at the seas. He looked at the vegetation. He looked at the stars. He looked at the moon. And God said, 
that's good. Question. What has God prepared for you? Are you walking in the place, in the path, in the position that God has prepared for you? Can you consider in your life the things that God prepared for you before you even got there? The doors that opened for you when you didn't even know there was a door there? The opportunities that you got that you weren't ready for? Can you testify that there have been times in your life where you knew it wasn't about you, where you had favor, where you had a way made that you couldn't have made yourself. That's what God does. That's who he is. Next week, we'll pick up chapter chapter one and we'll look at day five. Still looking at the book of Genesis. Hope to see you then. Take care. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy about